Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome all of you who are watching and worshiping with us online. We're so grateful that you're here. Wherever you are in this country, in this world, we're so grateful that you've joined us to be a part of worshiping our God. And I welcome all of our campuses today. We're so grateful that you are here and a part of this service. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. It is a new year, and God has got so many things in store for us. There are so many wonderful gifts that God is going to be giving to us this year, and I believe this is going to be the greatest year of your life, of our life, and of this church's life, and I am very excited about everything that God has in store for us. This is going to be comeback year. That's what I thought of last year but it didn't work out. But this is comeback year for Sugar Creek and really for churches all over the country. We're going to get on the other side of this pandemic and we are finally, finally going to be back home. And we are very excited about that. We have been as a church so blessed over the last 16 years to have Don Waybright as our missions pastor. Don was a gift from God and he used, God used him to be a great blessing to us as a church. But last June, God began to give him a new assignment and led him away to be a missions uh, coordinator for a missions, an international missions ministry. And so over the course of these last seven months, we've been in the process of looking for our new missions pastor. We had a long list of desires that we would want God to have built into the person that he would bring to Sugar Creek Baptist Church. Uh, I'm a list guy, and so I've got a list here. And I've got to go through all of the 10, 15 different things that we were looking for. But some of the things that uh, included this, that we were looking for an exceptional leader and visionary. We were looking for someone who had the expertise of bringing people together, unified under a single vision. We wanted someone who could double and quadruple the number of people that are in our church that are involved in missions, to bring more people into the life of uh, our missions efforts here at Sugar Creek and to expand uh, our ability to touch the world. We were looking for someone who had a passion for missions and for evangelism and for prayer. And we were looking for someone who was a strong communicator and especially uh, of God's word. We found all these things and all the list of 10, 15 different things in one person and we were so excited and he is now our missions pastor. 
We are now in the process of developing uh, a team of expertise in missions so that we can go as a church to the next level of missions at Sugar Creek. This morning, we have the great privilege of having our new missions pastor come and speak to us he comes from Fielder Road Baptist Church. He was an executive pastor there. Would you welcome Pastor Ender Palencia right now? Pastor, would you come? And I give the platform to you. I'm so grateful that you're here. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Sugar Creek family. It's a joy to be with you guys this morning, and it is a privilege to share the Word of God with you guys. And Happy New Year. You've heard it multiple times today, but Happy New Year to you guys. And I'm here with my lovely wife, Andrea. One of my three children is here as well, and some friends. And uh, Pastor, we are so excited to be here, to be a part of this amazing team and this great church. We are looking forward. And uh, both my wife and I have been praying a lot about this transition and, and pursuing the vision uh, that God has for us in this new church. So stepping into the new role has been an exciting journey. But I have to be honest with you, and I have to also say that stepping into the new role has been a little bit intimidating. And let me explain to you why it's been a little intimidating. So you already heard Pastor Mark say that uh, Pastor Don did a phenomenal job as the missions pastor for 16 years. And we should celebrate the work that God was able to do through this man in this church because it was amazing uh, what God did. Uh, but as I was going through the interview process, I had to meet different people, different staff, different committees, and uh, some of the people I met with during the interview process, they made sure that I knew that uh, Don had done a great job for the last 16 years. And I heard it over and over again, and what's interesting is that the way I heard it multiple times was this way. Many people said, you have big shoes to fill. And I heard it over and over again. I met with Pastor Mark and Pastor Gary early on in the journey, and they said, you know, you have big shoes to fill. And then I met with the team leaders, and, and we're talking and discussing and, and all of this, and they said, somebody in the meeting said, hey, you have big shoes to fill. And I met with the missions committee at least two or three times, and at least two or three times, somebody in the meeting said, hey, Ender, you have big shoes to fill. And then I met with the personnel committee, and towards the end of the meeting, it had not come up until the end of the meeting, and said, Ender, are you sure you wanna do this? Because you have big shoes to fill. I was actually, during the interview process, I was having breakfast with Pastor Juan Carlos, our Spanish pastor, and we ran into a lady that goes to our Spanish service. And this lady happens to be from my home country, and Pastor Juan Carlos is so excited, he's introducing me, and he said, listen, this is Pastor Ender, he's being considered to be the missions pastor here at our church, and she stopped and she said, ay, 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 Pastor, grandes zapatos que tiene que llenar. Big shoes to fill over and over again. So it was intimidating. Actually, by the time it was all said and done, the shoes I had to fill <laughs> felt about this big. And listen, I am 5'5". Five five. There is no way I can fill this kind of shoes. So it was, like I said, intimidating. And, and as I was going through the process, I had to wrestle with some insecurities. I had to wrestle with, uh, why am I feeling this way? 
And I actually felt a little bit inadequate. I had to pray and ask God, why, why am I feeling like this? And I, I realized that in my heart, inside of me, there's this innate desire to want to impress other people, to want to measure up. Uh, there's this uh, desire to, to try to meet the expectations that I believe other people have of me. And even worse, there's this fear that if I don't meet those expectations, then I'm gonna be seen as a failure, that I'm gonna fail for some reason, I'm not gonna be loved, I'm not gonna be liked. And if I'm not careful, then that desire in my heart can begin to define who I become and it can begin to define what I pursue, what my purpose is, and it's a dangerous, dangerous territory. See, as I was going through the process, I also realized that I'm actually not the only one who wrestles with this. That this is something that all of us human beings wrestle with. That all of us have this insecurity inside of us that all of us feel this need to want to impress other people and be liked by other people and be admired by other people. And so uh, we try to do things to impress other people, hoping that if we impress other people enough, then we will find contentment and we will find satisfaction. And maybe for you, it looks different than it does for me. Maybe for you, is having more likes or more followers on social media. Maybe for you, is having a promotion at work. Maybe for you, is having a bigger house or a nicer car. Maybe for you, is making more money. Maybe for you, is having more money in your bank account. Uh, for uh, whatever reason, all of us have this desire to be admired and be liked by other people. And we hope that if we like them enough, then we are going to be happy. We will be content. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever noticed that it's never enough? That it doesn't matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter how many resolutions you fulfill in one year, it doesn't matter how, how good you do or how well you do your things, it's never enough. It's never enough for you and it's never enough for other people either. It feels like there is a void there that you can never fill. The reason why it feels that way is because that void was never meant to be filled with anything that we can become or anything that we can accomplish on our own. It's because the only way that void is gonna be filled is when we understand who Christ is and what he accomplished for us. So as we start this new year, I'd like to uh, challenge all of us to start the new year uh, with a new perspective, with a different perspective. So instead of starting the year with the right goals and the right resolutions, and I'm not saying we don't have that, but I'm saying instead of starting there, we actually start with the right perspective, with understanding who God created us to be. Because here's what we're gonna learn today. Today we're gonna learn that we will only experience the, the satisfaction that we long for when we embrace our identity in Christ and we pursue the purpose for which he saved us. That's the only way we're gonna be able to experience it. And we find that truth all over scriptures, all over the Bible, in particular, we find it in the text we're gonna look at today, which is found in 2 Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 17. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to go there. If not, the text is gonna be on the screen, but 2 Corinthians chapter five. Before I read the text, let me give you a little bit of context so that we understand what we're gonna be studying a little bit better. 
So the, the city of Corinth was a major port city. It was a very busy city. In fact, it got to be the third major city in the Roman Empire. And because it was a port city, there were people from different backgrounds, different countries, different socioeconomic levels. In fact, a lot of people who came to Corinth came looking for a second chance, a second opportunity, because they had made mistakes or something had happened in their lives and they wanted to start fresh, so they moved to Corinth to start new. And Paul made his way to the city of Corinth in around 50 AD or so, and he began to share the gospel with people, and some people found hope in Christ, and a church was started. Paul was there for a few years, and then he moved on to start another church somewhere else, but he continued to be in communication with them. And they would uh, bring to Paul through letters different issues that came up in the church so that he would teach them how to live life. And, and through the two letters that he wrote to them, he kind of teaches them uh, what to be about, who they are in Christ, and also what to pursue, what their purpose should be. And in the verses we're going to look at, he kind of summarizes all of that. So we're going to read verses 17 through 21, and then after we read those, uh, we're going to take it a little bit at a time. Let's go ahead and read those. It says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I I know we read a a lot of words here, so like I said, I wanna take it a little bit at a time. And uh, uh, the Apostle Paul starts this section of scripture with the word therefore. And every time you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to ask the question, why is there therefore, therefore? Therefore is a transitional statement. In other words, it's there to connect what he just said with what he is about to say. So it's important for us not just to know the, 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 the general context of the letter, but also the immediate context of what he just said, what the words that we just read. And if you were to back up and read chapter five in its entirety, then you realize that what Paul is doing here is kind of defending himself a little bit. There were some people who were saying that they shouldn't listen to Paul because he lived a crazy life. In their minds, Paul was a little bit crazy, right? He, he was willing to go to other cities and other countries to share the gospel with people. He would share the gospel with non-Jews, which was not typical for a Jew of the time. He would also be willing to be arrested and be persecuted and be shipwrecked all for the sake of the gospel. And these religious leaders in Corinth saw this and they thought this man is absolutely crazy. So they would say to the Christians in Corinth, don't listen to Paul. So in chapter five, Paul kind of defends himself a little bit and explains why he lived this way. In particular, in verse 14, he said this, he says, the love of Christ compels us to do this. That word compels means to to drive, to do something, to force you to do something. In other words, what Paul is saying is he was so overwhelmed by the love of Christ that that's why he lived so radically. That's why he lived the way he lived. And at this point, you're probably wondering, and what in the world does that have to do with me anyways? And I want you to know it has everything to do with you. 
Because after he explains that, that's the therefore, and he begins to speak to Christians, to believers, and he begins to say, if I live this way, it's because I've been transformed by the power of Christ, and if you have understood the love of Christ, then your life should look differently as well. And see, if you look at the context, what was happening is that the Corinthians were being influenced by the society around them, their own desires, and they were pursuing all of these things uh, that were not what God had for them. And so Paul is about to tell them, this is what you should be about. And as we start a new year, again, instead of looking at the resolutions and pursuing the things that we normally pursue, I think we should listen to what Paul said in these words so we start the year out with the right perspective. And he basically gives them three things, three truths that we all need to hear. And I want to spend the rest of our time together walking through those three truths. First thing that he tells them is this. He says, uh, basically, we will only experience the, the satisfaction that we long for when we embrace our identity in Christ. That is the only way that we're going to uh, experience the satisfaction that we long for when we embrace who we are in Christ. Look at what he said again in verse 17. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He said, if you are in Christ, you are a brand new creation. And I want you to know these are amazing news. These are wonderful news. Because what we have to understand is that the reason why we are trying to impress other people, the reason why we feel this need to be loved by other people is because deep inside of us, whether we admit it or not, whether we see it or not, deep inside of us, we know that that there is something that is not right with us, that we're not perfect. That, 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 that there is something missing in our hearts. So what we do is we try to portray the good things about us so that other people may like us and we expect to be content in being liked by other people. That's what's going on in our hearts. And again, it can be manifested in different ways, but that's what's happening in our hearts. The problem is that, that the void in our heart, the reason why we feel that way is because we are imperfect. It's because we're born with something that scriptures call sin, which is doing something that offends God, that is not in accordance to who God is. God is a perfect God, and we are imperfect human beings, and therefore, we cannot be in a relationship with our maker, with our creator, and that's why we feel like we're missing something. But Paul gives good news here, and he says, listen, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. You don't have to be your mistake. You don't have to be your sin. You don't have to be your imperfection. You can be made something new. The old passes away and you become something new. So we're all born with a sinful nature, but there's a way for us to be made right. Paul said this to the Romans in Romans chapter three, verse 23, he says this, for all, not some, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, and because we have sinned, we cannot be in harmony, in a good, healthy relationship with our creator, with our maker on our own, and that's why we have that void in our heart. But God says, listen, there is good news. You can be made a new creation. And he actually tells us how we can be made that new creation. And he says you, have, you can have a new identity, and he tells us what that new identity is in verses 18 and 19. I want to reread those two verses uh, uh, for you. It says this, all of this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of, of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we're gonna do a little bit of language study here. So I want you to circle or highlight or underline the word reconcile or reconciliation right there in your Bible. Because that word is gonna be key for us. It actually appears four times in this two verses that we just read. And if it appears four times in two verses, that means it's an important word. And that word is gonna be the identity that we have now in Christ. The word reconcile or reconciliation comes from the word katalasso in the Greek. And that word in the Greek means to receive someone into favor. It also means to welcome someone who was not welcome before, if you will. When something is broken, then it's made right. That's kind of what it means. And what Paul is saying here is that we can let the old be gone and be a new creation, and that new creation is us being reconciled with God, being welcomed into God's family again, being accepted by God. That is our new identity. That's what we become in Christ, and that's what we should find our identity on. Now, I want us to continue the word study here because in the passage, Paul also tells us how that happens. Because our tendency, our temptation is gonna to be to think that it happens uh, by something that we become or by some, something that we accomplish on our own. And the scriptures, and in this passage and many others, it's very clear that that's not the way it happens. In fact, I, I want you to circle two more words, the word from and the word through in your Bible. Both of these words are what we call prepositions. Now, my delightful accent may have already given this away, but English is not my first language, okay? I, I learned English as an adult, and as I've been learning English, I've learned that using the wrong prepositions can change the meaning of a sentence. People look at you funny when you look at, uh, you, you, you say the, the, the wrong preposition. So if you say on instead of under or in instead of at, they look at you like a, like a dog looking at a new plate, you know, kind of confused, like what do you say? It happens to me often. Because the prepositions are short words, but they're very important. And in this particular case, prepositions are gonna be key. And the first preposition I want you to circle is from. Because it says, all of this is from God. That's the word echo in Greek, and that word means the origin of something, where something is originated. So what Paul is saying here is that that reconciliation that we experience is not originated from us. It doesn't happen based on something that we do, but it's originated from God. The other preposition is the word through, that's the word dia in the Greek, which means the means by which something is accomplished. And he says, through Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that the reconciliation happens because God made it happen and the way he made it happen is by the means of Christ. He made it happen through Christ. So it's not based on us being a good person. It's not based on us going to church a whole lot. It's not based on us giving a lot of money. The reconciliation happens because God is a God of love that saw us in our need and our imperfection and made a way for us to be reconciled to him. And that way is his son, Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter five, verse eight. Look at what he says. He says this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, even though we were sinners, listen, Christ died for us. 
The reason why I say that these are amazing news is because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived the perfect life that none of us could live. And then he died the horrible death that all of us deserve so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be in a relationship with our maker, with our creator, with our God. That's what Christ did for us. And listen, you and I can find to try to find identity in money, in success, in degrees, in bigger houses, in relationships, and all of these things, and I will tell you, it will never be enough. Because the only place that we can find a true sense of identity is in Christ, in understanding what he did for us. And I want you to think about that for a moment. Because our creator saw us in our need and he made a way so that we could be reconciled to him and so that we could be in a relationship with him, so that we could be called his children. That's our identity, that's who we are. And that is when we embrace that identity, that is the only way we're gonna be able to find the fulfillment that we long for. But there's even better news because it doesn't stop there. When Jesus died on the cross and we would place our faith in Christ, he doesn't just give us a new identity, that, that, that would be enough for us, but he also gives us a new purpose, a new reason to live for. So there is a study that was done by some researchers and some psychologists and they discover that there is a connection between uh, having a sense of purpose and the longevity of life. In other words, the people with a greater sense of purpose would live longer and happier lives. But interestingly enough, the study also showed that most people have no clue what their purpose is. That they're just kind of running in circles, pursuing different things, trying to find that purpose so that they can be satisfied. And they, they don't find it. And what God does for us is he not only gives us a, good, a new identity, he also gives us a purpose, a reason to live for, to have us here on this earth. And Paul tells us what that purpose is in verse 20. I want you to read verse 20 with me again. It says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That word ambassador is going to be our purpose. Uh, that's the word presbosumen in Greek. And, and the, word that, the way that word is structured is pretty interesting. So it's in the first person plural, which means we all, all of us who are in Christ, not some elite Christian, not just Pastor Mark and a few others, all of us who are in Christ are his ambassadors. And then the word is also structured this way, is in the present tense in the active form. You say, and then what in the world is that? Well, that means that it's something that not just happens one time in a lifetime. It's not just something that happened once in the past or will happen once in the future. It is something that is constantly happening. In other words, it is what we are about. It is what we pursue. It is our mission. It is our purpose. That's what we are after. We are Christ ambassadors. Most of us know that an ambassador is somebody who represents somebody of importance, whether it's a king or a president in a different country. And most of us also, all of us, have a nationality that we're proud of, right? Uh, some of us have too. I was born in a country and I've become a citizen of this country and I'm proud of both. And, and to represent a country, it, it's a great privilege. 
And what God is saying to us, listen to this, the creator of all things, the maker of all things is saying to us, listen, I have given you a purpose, a reason to live for, and it is greater than anything that you can accomplish on this earth. It is that you can live for me, for my glory, so that other people can also be reconciled to me. That is our purpose. I believe part of the reason why we don't find that fulfillment, that, that, that life that we long for, we're not living the life that we long for because we're pursuing all different things. And we will only live the life that we long for when we pursue the purpose for which Christ saved us, which is to be his ambassadors. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue a degree in school. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue a great job. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pursue the house of your dream. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that those are not the end goal. Those are the means to an end, but not the end in itself. That's what I'm saying. See, we have made those things the end goal. And once we accomplish them, we think, well, that's it. It's not, it's not what I thought it would be because it's not. See, the reason why you're in that campus is so that you can be an ambassador for Christ in that campus. And yeah, you get an education that will be beneficial for you in the future, but the main reason is because God believes that you have some abilities so that you can be an ambassador of Christ in that particular campus. The reason why you are in that workplace is because God believes that you have some unique talents and gifting that will make you a good ambassador in that particular workplace. The reason why you're in that neighborhood is not just because it's that nice house that you like or it's the apartment that you could afford or whatever you think the reason is. The reason you're in that neighborhood is because right here, right now, in this time, God believes that you are the perfect person to be his ambassador in that community. And you will only experience this satisfaction and live the life that you long for when you step into that purpose, when you are his ambassador in that community. Now, I know the moment I say that, some of you go in there, I don't even have a clue how to, how to be an ambassador. I don't even have a clue what to say, what to do. Well, the beautiful thing is that God not only gives us an identity and a purpose, he also gives us the message that we have to share with people. He calls it the message of reconciliation right here. And, and, and listen to this, we will only feel satisfied when we share our hope in Christ with other people. And that's all we have to share the hope that we have found in Christ Jesus. Look at what he said in verse 20. He gives us the message of reconciliation right here. He says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the message of hope that we have to share. That is the message of reconciliation that as ambassadors, we need to share with other people. Now, uh, Christmas just passed, right? And I'm sure you gave some gifts to some people that uh, maybe they, they didn't give you something that equated to what you gave them. And you feel like, really? That's what you're giving me? I, I gave you this thoughtful gift or expensive gift, and that's what you're going to give me? If you don't feel that way, maybe you're the one giving the crappy gifts to begin with. <laughs> so, but I, I think at some point in our lives, we all have felt that way. What I want to submit to you that what we just read right here is the, either the greatest or the worst exchange of gifts in the history of humanity, according to, or depending on where you are. Because what God is saying in this verse right here is that he, God the Father, took him, God the Son, and treated him like a sinner even though he never sinned. 
And then he took his righteousness and his reward and he passed that to us. That's what he's saying. So we get, I mean, he got the consequences for our sins and we got the reward for his justice. And, and, and that's the, the exchange that took place. That is the beautiful message of the gospel. That is the hope that this world desperately, desperately needs to hear and that you and I have. And we will only feel satisfied when we share that hope with other people. Because listen, there is a great satisfaction when you see a life being transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is life-changing, not just to the person, but also to you. And what you're looking for is not found in a bigger house. It's not found in more salary. It's not found in a healthier relationship. It's not found in more money. It's not found in anything that you can accomplish on your own. What you're looking for is found only in you embracing your identity in Christ, pursuing the purpose for which he saves us. And that purpose is sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with other people. And there is a desperate world out there who desperately needs it. And there are people in your workplace, there are people in your school, there are people in your neighborhood, there are people in your community who desperately need to hear this wonderful news that you and I have. And when we step into that purpose, we're gonna experience the power of God in our lives and the lives of other people. We will fill that void in our hearts. We will feel that sense of accomplishment that we long for. And I tell you this not just because I read it in a book, and that should be enough for us, but I tell you this also because I've experienced it in my own life. See, I grew up in a big city similar to this. It's a city of four million people in Latin America. It's called Maracaibo in Venezuela. And, and I, I grew up kind of hearing about God and knowing about God. But when I was about 15, 16 years old, I said, you know what, I'm gonna pursue other things. And I was trying to look for contentment and, and happiness in, in, in relationships and in parties and having a little job and making a little money and, and then going to college and pursuing an engineering degree and thinking, man, I'm gonna make a lot of money, I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be content. And it was never enough, I felt miserable. In fact, nothing down there worked. So I moved to this country as a 20 year old. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any money. I didn't speak the language. I was here all by myself looking for something, looking for hope somewhere and I couldn't find it absolutely anywhere. Actually, I was miserable my first few weeks here. I was lonely, I was desperate. Again, I didn't have any money, I didn't speak the language. I was crashing in my friend's couch and trying to figure out, I couldn't go back to my country, I couldn't move on here. I was absolutely terrified. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. But I tell you what, God found me right where I was. And in an incredible way, God put a man in my life who, who called me out of the blue and he said, he's a pastor and he said, listen, I heard about you and I, I believe God brought you here for a reason. And he was eight hours away from where I was, in the same state, but eight hours away from where I was. And he said, I'm gonna put you in a bus if you let me. And my wife and I, we wanna welcome you into our house and we wanna, we wanna see what God has for you. And the last place I wanted to be was at a pastor's house. <laughs> but I had no other choice. And I got on that bus for the entire eight-hour drive, I was thinking, man, this pastor is going to judge me. He's going to condemn me because of my lifestyle, because of what I'm pursuing, all this. And instead, what I found was the opposite. He was kind. 
He was generous. He and his wife opened their home and they shared their food and their family and they took me to their church and this church, I thought they were gonna be judgy and, and, and they were gonna look at me weird. No, and they actually love on me and they welcome me even though I didn't know any of them and even though I was living in a, in a sinful way and they just welcomed me and loved on me and I just have never experienced the love of Christ in this way so it just kind of messed me up. In my, in my book, that back then, you only helped somebody if they could pay you back. That, that's how I view life. So I finally said to him, listen, why are you doing this? I can't pay you for what you're doing for me. And he looked at me and he said, listen, I'm not doing this because I'm expecting you to pay me. I'm doing this because Jesus paid for my sins. And he has changed my life and I believe he wants to change yours too. Listen, that allowed me to begin to see life from a different perspective. And two, three weeks after that, I just couldn't help it anymore. I finally had to surrender it all, get on my knees and say, God, you are my creator, you are my maker. And here I am trying to find contentment and fulfillment in money and relationships and drinks and parties and all these things and it's never enough. I said, would you please take control of my life? Would you please lead it? Because I am making a mess out of it. And after that moment, my life began to make sense. God not only began to change me and transform me, he began to open doors for me and give me a sense of purpose and direction. And after that, I was able to go to college and God opened doors and I was able to graduate college completely debt-free because God opened doors and provided ways for me. And after that, I was able to meet who is now the love of my life, my wife of almost 15 years and we got married and it was beautiful and I know I don't deserve her. And after that, I was able to be called into ministry and I was able to become the youth pastor at that church with that pastor and God used me in unique ways that I never expected. And then God opened a door for me to move to Texas about 12 years ago to pursue a seminary degree. And again, I graduated from master's degree completely debt-free and God paid for it and God opened doors for me. And I served in that great church for about 10, 11 years and it was beautiful. God was at work and in those 10 years, God blessed my wife and I with three precious children. And now God has opened a new door for me to step into this new ministry to see him do even more amazing things. When I tell you that God can change you, I tell you because I have experienced it. He is an amazing God. And listen to this. As I step into this new role, I basically have two options. I can look at these shoes and try to fill them on my own. Or I can toss them aside and look at my creator and say, God, you brought me here for a reason. You've been faithful in the past. You're going to be faithful in the future. And trust in him to do the work in me and through me. And as you step into the new year, you have the same two options. You can continue to run in circles and try to figure a life on your own and trying to do things your own way, but you and I both know that it will never be enough. Or you can come to face, face to face with your creator and say, God, would you please forgive me? I wanna live for you and not for myself anymore. So as we start the new year, I wanna challenge you to start by looking at the new year with the right perspective. By finding your sense of identity and purpose in the one who made you, in the one who saved you, in Jesus Christ himself. And if you're a believer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's in stepping into that purpose for which you were created, in being his ambassador. You say, Ender, I have no clue how to do that. I don't, I, I, I don't even know where to start. But I want to give you a tangible way that you can start. 
you heard earlier, next week, Pastor Mark and the rest of the teaching team are gonna start a sermon series that is called the Love Challenge. And what we're gonna do through that sermon series is we're gonna try to understand the love of God better so that we can share the love of God with other people. That's what we're gonna be doing. And so what if for you, just one tangible step, what if you're a Christian, if you're a believer of the gospel, why do you start by saying, I'm gonna be a part of that sermon series. I wanna be a part of that love challenge and I wanna see what God does in me and through me through that series. That would be my challenge to you. But I know there are many of you here in this room and maybe at another campus or maybe watching online who've never placed your faith in Christ I want you to do, you can try to come into church all you want to, but that will be more trying on your own effort. The only way that you will find the identity that you long for, the only way that you will find the purpose that you long for is when you start by surrendering your life to Christ. And today, God is giving you the opportunity to start in the right place. To surrender your life to him and saying, God, my life is yours. And he will begin to transform you and change you and give you a sense of purpose and direction. The Bible teaches that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be safe. And if you want to do that, then I want to invite you to go to our next step room. In whatever campus you're in, there is a next step center. You can go and talk to the pastors that are there ready to help you out. If you're watching online, then you can also do that. You're going to receive instructions on how to do that in a moment. Wherever you are in, please, please, Start the year out in the right way by surrendering your life to the one who made you. That would be my challenge to you. Listen, we have a new year. We have a new opportunity. A new opportunity to find that sense of purpose and direction that we long for and that only can be found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. Let me pray for us. Then after that, we'll be seen. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the fact that you created us, but you created us for a purpose, for a reason. You created us so that we we could surrender to you and be welcomed into your family and become your children. You made a way for us to be able to do that through your son, Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that we would start this year out embracing that identity in Christ and pursuing that purpose for which you saved us in Christ Jesus and sharing the hope of Christ with other people. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.